I don't know how God's doing it all, but we began by singing When We All Get to Heaven, and we ended with singing It'll Be Worth It All When We See Jesus. And in between, there were songs about the storms and about struggle and suffering, and that's life. You know, our Sunday night studies have been reminding us of the fact that life involves a struggle. And, and our series on Sunday morning dealing with this aspect of suffering and what's a biblical response to suffering, um, it's interesting how God is, has directed with this I kind of charted out and and sought his mind about, okay, this Sunday we'll do this, and this Sunday we do this. But um, God has the permanent say on that. And this Sunday I plan to talk about responses to suffering, but there were four responses that I was going to deal with, and then as I got in looking at it, I thought, Man, that's, that's putting too much in one time. And this first response is of utmost importance. And so, I believe God's extending the suffering series, alright? So, uh, you can suffer a little longer with the suffering series. And of course, next week we take a, a break from the suffering series. And, and yet... It's important for us to personally work out these truths in our own life. As we mentioned, Paul wrote here, and he said, I want to remind you to rejoice in the Lord always. And, and he said, in the midst of suffering, he was writing to believers that were enduring persecution. He said, don't be fearful about the future, don't be anxious, but rather have a very active prayer life in everything by prayer and supplication, and let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says, and be sure to guard your mind, think on these things, whatever's true and honest, just, pure, lovely, and so on. And then he commended the believers, he said, you have ministered, you have given of yourselves, and, and have given to me and the ministry, he went on and said. But he said, one thing I've learned is to be content in whatever God gives me. He said, I have learned how to have nothing and be content, and I have learned how to have and abundance and be content. And we sometimes think, well, the real test of contentment is when you have nothing. No, it's just as much a test of contentment as when you have much because we always want a little more. In fact, it's amazing. Studies have proven that people that have less around the world are often happier than people that have more. And you think about it, it goes to reason. The more you have, the more breaks down. The more you have to take care of. The more, and 
we have this um, desire, if it's good, we want more. And, and Paul said, I, I have accepted God's dealing in my life. There's times I've been shipwrecked. There's times I've been beaten. There's times I've been blessed. And I have learned across the board, I have learned to be content in it. And Paul realized that everything has a purpose. And, and I'm just quickly going to go through these introductory points, and they're, they're kind of a review for us, especially in regard to suffering. Everything has a purpose. Number one, God's work in everybody's life is, number one, to bring them to salvation. So he will often knock the things that we're trusting out from under us to show us that we need God. Secondly, God uses many things in our life to cleanse us from something bad or from a bad influence in our life. So there's something that He knows is not good for us. He brings events into our life to bring a cleansing. Thirdly, to build Christ-likeness in our lives. So He puts us in a test. He puts us perhaps in a difficult situation, perhaps in a blessing. And yet His purpose in it is to build Christ-likeness. This blessing that you receive, are you going to use it to bless others? And that would be Christ-likeness. So He uses it to build Christ-likeness in our life. There are things that happen in our life that God is using to chasten or discipline us. Because He sees us going a wrong way, whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. So He brings events into our life to, to discipline us, to, to correct us. Fifthly, He uses events in our lives to make us usable for others. That He's equipping us. He's putting tools in our lives to make us usable for others. And then sixthly, he uses events to allow Himself to show His power in our lives. We mentioned before, the man that was born blind, who sinned? He, he or his parents, they asked Jesus. He said, no one. This happened so that I could show my power. And there are things that happen in your life to show God's power. So, Honestly, those six things, if you think, I wonder what God's doing in my life, go back through those six things. They will be a great primer to you to figure out what God is doing in your life. And I'm confident those six things, you'll be able to find out God is using this, and it may be several things in your life, for His purposes. But often, we resist the things that come into our life. And a proper response to suffering, the number one in our order that we're going through here, is we must accept God's dealing in our lives. There are many, many dealings in our lives that people refuse to accept. 
And so they're always kicking against God. There are ten unchangeables in every person's life that are designed by God that there are some people that go through their life kicking against these and they go through their life the whole way they end up being miserable, bitter people. Those ten unchangeables are your parents. It's unchangeable who your parents are. And there are people that are bitter that, with the parents that they got. Your parents might be bitter with the child they got too, you know. You ever think about that? But some, I wish my parents had more money. I wish they had more education. But it's an unchangeable. Your physical features are unchangeable. I mean, God designed you. Psalm 139. He's the one that formed us. Some people uh, spend their life thinking, I wish I was taller. I wish I was skinnier. I wish I had blue eyes. I wish I had different color hair. I wish, I wish, I wish. It's amazing. They did a study of of beauty pageant contestants, and and they ask if there if you had the power to change anything about your appearance, would you use it? And they all said yes. But it's unchangeable. I mean, if you wanted to be taller, you can't do that. You can wear shoes with lifts in them or whatever. I mean, these are things that are unchangeable, but there's certain certain things that we have to accept. Our physical features, our gender. I never dreamed we'd live in a day where this was a major thing, but the gender. Some may have said, man, I wish I was the opposite gender. It's unchangeable. And you say, no, they're changing it. They are, they are not changing the gender. They are not changing the DNA makeup of that individual. They make, make physical changes on the individual, but God designed whether you would be male or female. And those are the only two genders that God made. And there are some people that resist that. And I wish I'd been... A male, or wish I'd been a female, or whatever. But it's unchangeable. Some, another thing that's unchangeable, is your brothers and sisters. I mean, you didn't have a choice. Um, as the saying goes, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, right? And you didn't have a choice. Another unchangeable is the birth order. There's some of you that are thinking, I wish I would have been the firstborn, then I could boss everybody around like the firstborn does, right? But the, the reality is, God has you designed in the order of your birth, and that's unchangeable. But there's some that react to it. Your ethnicity, your national background, your... Um, heritage is unchangeable. Your place of origin. I mean, where you were born, you had no choice over that, nor did you have 
when you would be born in history. A number of years ago, um, I don't know if it still is, but there was a pretty big fad about buckskinners, you know, and, and they were going back and living like the old buckskinners. And I remember we drove out to Red Hot once and they were having a buckskinners camp out there. And, and it's almost like, man, I, I, I wish I'd been born. And sometimes you may think it'd be been interesting to been been around the start of our nation. And the people that were here when the nation started would probably say, you don't know what you're asking for. But you know what? You didn't have a choice. That is God's design. When you made your entrance into this world, it was all God's doing. And it's unchangeable, your time in history. Your mental capacity. I mean... Maybe you you think you say, man, I struggled in school and I struggle with math or struggle with this or whatever. We're not content. We don't accept what God has given us in our mental capacity. And then it seems like the majority of the world struggles with another unchangeable is aging and the time of our death. You can't stop aging. It's going to happen. No matter what all the ads on TV or online pop up, you know, it, it's going to happen. And you and I have no control over the time of our death. So we need to accept God's dealings in our life. But those are... Those are ten unchangeable things, but in our life also come many events. And we need to learn to discern God's purpose and cooperate with Him and accept His dealings in our lives. We need to learn, okay, God, You brought this into my life. What is Your purpose? What do You want me to learn from this? What is there I need to change? There come things into our life that we don't know. We've said earlier on, suffering involves a mystery. There are some things that you don't have an answer for. And at the same time, we need to accept God's dealing in our life. He's allowed it to come into our life. We don't know. We can't change it. We must accept it. Elizabeth Elliot said, Acceptance is the key to peace in this business of suffering. Accepting God's dealing in our life. But I want us to focus on this. Acceptance depends on faith. It depends on believing what God said He would do. The simplest definition of faith is faith is just believing what God said He would do. So I want to list four things of faith that are foundational for acceptance. Number one, it must be a faith that God never makes a mistake. It may be in regard to the ten unchangeables. It may be to an event that's come into your life. It may be a physical affliction. 
Whatever it is, Psalm 18.30 says, As for God, He makes no mistake. It is a belief that God never makes a mistake. And there may be things that come into your life that you think, this is just not right. This is a mistake. This shouldn't be in my life. And we have to come back and everything in our being may be shouting against it, but to come back and stand in the promise of God's Word, to stand by faith that God never makes a mistake. Acceptance depends on that. Acceptance depends on the fact that God intimately knows me. Psalm 139, we mentioned it a moment ago, that He's the one that formed us in our mother's womb. He's the one that designed us. He's the one that knew us before the worlds were even created. He had us designed. He intimately knows you. I mean, He knows every aspect of your weaknesses, your strengths, your fears, your plans, your dreams every detail about your life. And so when, when suffering comes into your life, it's not like I'm out here all by myself. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. No. God intimately knows you. He knows every detail about whatever the suffering is. And to realize I am here by God's design for God's appointment, under God's care, for God's purpose, and He is at work in me. And He knows, the psalmist said, He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He intimately knows us. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows every time you sit down, every time you stand up. He knows every time you struggle standing up, okay? He knows every detail about our life. But in the midst of suffering, Satan tempts us with the aspect that, well, God's pretty busy and there's a lot going on and things are happening in the Middle East and around the world and you're here in southern Iowa and and you're just a little pebble of sand in the seashore of life. And God says, no, I intimately know you. And acceptance of God's dealing in our life has to be based on that. Thirdly, acceptance depends on faith that God will work all things together for good. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And he goes on and says, For whom He did foreknow, He also predestined them to be conformed to the image of His Son. So we know this suffering that has come into my life God is using it to make me more like Christ, to conform me to the image of His Son, and that is good. 
And so God is able to make all these things, even this, this event that would have been the last thing you wanted in your life, He is able to make all things work together for good. See, we either believe that God knows what He's doing, or you believe He doesn't know what He's doing. And it, it honestly comes down to that. And, and this is where, in the midst of suffering, is where our faith is really tested. Because it's easy. Yeah, it's easy to quote to someone else. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Easy to do that. But in the midst of our own suffering, do I really believe that somewhere... I'll be able to see the good at this. Do I really believe it will be worth it all when I see Jesus? Do I really believe God intimately knows me and that God hasn't made a mistake? Acceptance depends on faith. The faith to believe I don't see the good, I don't feel the good, I can't even imagine how anything good can come out of this. But I believe that God is able to make all things work together for good to them that love God. It's amazing. Sometimes God allows us to see the good in this life. But eventually we will see the good in eternity. Monday, as we were driving down to the Branson area, we stopped by to see some family friends that, that have been through some severe suffering. And, and as we talked to them some, and I forget how it came up, a series on suffering, this lady who in not too distant past, was in the midst of a dark, dark valley of suffering. And and honestly, in the midst of those dark valleys, it's like you can't even see any light or potential of light. And, and we had been much in prayer for them, and... and we're concerned. How were they doing? And as we mentioned about suffering, she said, I want to tell you something. That suffering is very, very difficult. But in the midst of suffering, there is good. And she said, my faith has been deepened and strengthened. And as we heard that, it was like, Praise God. I mean, this, this is uh, a testimony of God is able to make all things work together for good. It didn't change the circumstances. It's, it's still a, a circumstance that bears great grief. And yet, she was able to say, my faith has been strengthened and developed. That God is able to make all things work together for good. Acceptance depends on faith. 
Not just a faith that God never makes a mistake. Not just a faith that God intimately knows me. Not just a faith that God will work all things together for good. But a faith that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Paul said in Romans 8, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us when we see Jesus. And there is a reason that so many of the the gospel songs and hymns end pointing us toward heaven because it is a faith that all there is to life is not this life. Can you imagine what what the people in war-torn countries, and Ukraine is one of them, Syria, Yemen, Nicaragua, the, the world is covered with... Can you imagine what believers are going through when they don't know where they'll get their next piece of bread? And in the midst of the suffering that they're going through, to know that someday all suffering will be over. And that is what empowers us to endure the suffering. Either we have the faith and believe He is worth trusting, or He is not. And this is where suffering brings us in, in this crucible, this testing. And do I really believe God? Do I really believe He knows me intimately? Do I really believe He's begun a good work and He's going to continue it? Do I really believe that it will be worth it when I see Jesus? Do I really believe He never makes a mistake? You go back to those ten unchangeables. God never made a mistake in one of those. I wish I'd had this family or I wish this. God's never made a mistake. But see, acceptance depends on faith. And acceptance is submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We know that God is Lord. He's the Master. But we struggle with submitting to Him. Acceptance is receiving from His hand, even suffering, And saying, God, I receive this from you. It's submission that you are Lord, you are the Master, and not me. You know what you're doing. You have a purpose beyond my imagination, beyond what I can see. And God, you are at work, and so I submit to you. But this submission, this faith, must begin with the submission to what God says about us. God says that I am a sinner. That my sin has separated me from God. And that there is only one way of forgiveness. See, that's why it's so important for us to realize we can't join hands 
and, and cooperate with people that deny there is only one way and it's through Jesus Christ. But we must come to the point where I realize my sin separates me from God. There is only one way for forgiveness. That's through Jesus Christ alone. And salvation is when we submit and say, I need your forgiveness. I believe by faith. Faith is believing what God said He would do. God said if we turn from our sin, repent and turn to Him in faith in Jesus Christ that He would forgive our sins, adopt us into His family, and be forever His child. That's a step of faith. It's a step of submission to God. It's a step of saying, I believe you will do what you said you would do. And by faith, I say, I know I have everlasting life. I know I am a child of God. Why? Because this is what God said. And this was my response in faith, believing And God keeps His Word. It's submission. Faith is submission to the Lord. But that's the beginning of our walk by faith. We sometimes say, do you have faith in Christ? And we mean, have you trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin? Yes, that is faith. But we are to walk by faith. The whole Christian life is built on faith. And it is submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we look in Scripture. Jesus, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, came to a point of suffering in His life. And He said, God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. So He was asking, is there any other way And he then accepted by faith in submission to the Father when he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What was that? Accepting the suffering. Because it was coming from the hand of God. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We look at Peter in a similar situation. You remember the account? They they fished all night, didn't catch anything. Along comes Jesus and says, cast your net on the other side. Now, you'd have to imagine what's going through Peter's mind. You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? We're professional fishermen. We just cleaned our nets. We didn't catch anything. There's no fish here. And and that's what Peter said. He said, we've been fishing all night and not caught anything. And then Peter caught himself and he submitted. Nevertheless, at your word. You understand over and over again in our lives... We need to accept 
what God tells us, accept what he brings into our life, and we need to say, I, I can't imagine it, I wouldn't plan this, I don't want to, but nevertheless, whatever you say, you're the boss. We think of Jonah, an exercise in the opposite. God said to go to Nineveh. He went the other way. God brought suffering into his life. Can't imagine the suffering in the belly of the whale, right? Brought suffering into his life. And Jonah then repented, but there again. Jonah went and preached, but still he was resisting God's leading. He didn't have the heart of God for the people. He wanted judgment to come on them. And Jonah is an example of you keep kicking against God, and it's going to, it's going to backfire on you. And, and it did in Jonah's life. And he expected God to provide, and then accepting the fact that the gourd died that provided his shade, he didn't accept that. Why did you do that, God? And over and over again in our life, day after day, we have to accept God's dealing in our life. The Apostle Paul, leading his life, very successful, a leader among men, a leader among his nation, and yet God met him in a dramatic way, and he said to Paul, it is hard for you to kick against the goads of the Spirit of God. I'm trying to get you to go this way. You keep kicking against it. And it's hard, isn't it, Paul? Saul it was then. And Saul then submitted to the Lord. And he accepted God's dealing in his life. He accepted the fact that he was blind. He accepted the fact that Ananias was going to come and lay hands on him and restore his eyesight. He, he learned to accept the dealings of God. When he was run out of town and stoned and left for dead, he didn't stand up and say, why is everybody always picking on me? He wrote, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you understand, the question is not whether you will submit, but when you will submit. Everyone will submit to God. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as a believer, the day is going to come when you will say, you were right, Lord, I should have done that. But it doesn't bear any fruit in this life. But if we learn to quit resisting, God, why did you allow this? And I despise that. And, and I don't like what you brought into my life. 
and you receive from God and appropriate His grace for it, then you will know the peace and the victory of God. Failure to accept God's dealing in our life leads to bitterness and destroys your relationship with God and with others. The good life is accepting God's dealing and working with Him. Okay, God, what do you want to accomplish in this? There are events that come into our lives that we need to learn God's purpose and change. He, he wants to bring change in our life. There are things that you can't change. And we need to accept and appropriate God's grace. God, I, I wouldn't have chosen this. I don't want it. But I'm accepting it. I'm going to quit kicking against it. I'm going to quit living in denial as we talked last week and bad responses to it. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to receive it from your hand. And I'm going to appropriate your grace in this. See, the devil is very sly in his workings. And there are often things that we haven't accepted from the hand of God. That we kind of bury a little bit, but it's always there. And a root of bitterness, Hebrews 12:15 says, springs up and it troubles many. I believe that a key part of today in every one of our lives is to come before God, and maybe you know already, maybe God's brought to mind something that, that you, I don't know why that had to happen to me. I don't know why I was put in this situation. And you need to come and submit to God and say, God, I accept this from your hand. You can't just go on without dealing with it. It is hard to resist the workings of God in our life. And we'll go on, and in two weeks, it's not only accepted, it's to be grateful for it. And talk about the next response is a, is a spirit of gratefulness. But it is, whatever cup God is offering to me, Elizabeth Elliot again said, whatever cup God is offering to me, whether it be pain and sorrow, suffering, and grief, along with many more joys, I am willing to take it. Grief, sorrow, joys, I am willing to take it, she said, because I trust Him. Because I know what God wants for me is the very best. See, that's our faith, what we think of God. I will receive this thing in His name. I honestly believe that we need to go before God and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for resisting. And I receive this in Your name. Do Your work in my life. 
Help me to appropriate your grace that I would respond right. We don't have time here, but in Sunday school we'll be going over um, in the aspect, what are things we should not accept? Does it just mean accept every, anything? But I believe this is foundational to a victorious Christian life is rather than resisting to come and say, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit would make personal these truths right now. And Lord, I pray that there would be individuals liberated and truly set free by submitting and accepting your dealings in their lives. Lord, I pray for individuals that have never accepted your standard, your design for salvation. And they've resisted in whatever measure and manner. Lord, I pray today your spirit would convict and draw them. And that they would be brought and adopted to your family by faith in Christ Jesus. Then, Lord, I pray for every believer. Maybe there's been a resistance to their upbringing, a resistance to your design in their life, a resistance to events that have come in. And, Lord, I pray that we would know the joy of kneeling and bowing before you And saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, may we be freed from the bondage of self and sin and Satan. And may we know the liberty that even as Paul said, I've learned to be abased and abound. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Lord, may you be honored by our response, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.